Welcome to Amazon Legends, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became power sellers, also providers specializing in helping sellers, aggregators that acquire sellers, and former Amazonians will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here is your host, Nick Urison. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. My next guest today has been a serial entrepreneur with a few seven-figure businesses, wrote a novel, taught leadership class to 12,000 kids, and a former CEO of I Love to Review. So today he runs Page One. He's the CEO and founder of Page One, which is a full-service Amazon agency. And when he's not working, he's an avid pickleball player. He was talking to me about pickleball and how crazy he is about it. He plays six days a week and wants to play senior pro one day. So with that, everybody, meet my guest, Keith O'Brien. Welcome to the show, Keith. Hey, thanks, Nick. Appreciate you having me on. So this pickleball, I've heard a few people play pickleball, but uh, it's a, it's an interesting one. Most people, most my guests say, oh, you know, golf. I love golf. So they're all into golfing. Yeah, I used to golf quite a bit. Um, uh, I think, you know, in my uh, earlier days, I was playing a couple, two, three times a week golf. Um, and I still love golf. It's probably the most challenging game on the planet to, to learn and get good at. Uh, but, you know, golf's not really that social. You know, you socialize with the three people you play with or the two people you play with or one. And um and it takes a long time right like around is four or five hours and plus travel time and so um you know and it's super expensive right i mean golf is a very very expensive hobby so i don't know as i got older i just looked for something else that i could do and and uh and i wanted to kind of combine fun with activity and found pickleball and and it's it's great. So it's a great uh, workout, uh, cardio wise. It's super social, and uh, yeah, and it's 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 easy to start playing. It's hard to get good. So I like you know it's a it's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. So you work with Amazon sellers and as a full service agency. I mean, obviously your success depends on your client success. So so how do you make your clients successful? Well, we really do a few things. Well, we do a lot of things, all kind of packed into to, to three things. Um, we, we really understand uh, the marketplace and where they're at, where they fit in, competitor research and, and where they are at in the marketplace. Um, we understand their their goals and and uh, what they're looking to accomplish in the marketplace, and then we set a strategy that's really blending those two things together with a bunch of different levers we pull um, within Amazon and and what's available to us. Okay, so you you start with the the fit, right? So uh, yeah. where do they where do they fit in the marketplace? So a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, there's this two aspects of this. One is go do your product research based on all kinds of different criteria. And, you know, you put in all the numbers and then you look at what it is and, and, and then you come up with something. And then sure. the other is you are a creator. You've got a product or in, in many cases, 
it's a company, established company, and then they they have their product lines and everything else. So uh, they're gonna now sell it on Amazon. So uh, tell me your process about figuring out where the seller fits in the marketplace. All right. How long do we have? How much into the weeds do you want to get here? So I think um, beyond like what you, so to expand on what you, what you, what you were mentioning, right? I think the um, it's, that's been the strategy is, you know, do the keyword research, understand what competitors are selling and how much they're selling and then look for ways that you can uh, get into that marketplace, whether it be through, um, you know, through, I mean, back in the day, it used to be, you know, if we can make our listing look better, optimize it better than the competition, you know, we can drive our way into this marketplace because we're going to stand out. But more and more categories are filled with really good sellers, right? Who, who have great creative, um, that have well-optimized listings. Um, and so you need a little bit more than that, really. Uh, and so, you know, we, beyond just the keyword research and how many units people are selling, and if you see an opportunity, we want to understand what the size of the marketplace is as well. And so, you know, a great tool to use for that would be uh, the product opportunity explorer inside of Amazon. Um, you know, it's a, you know, somewhat relatively new uh, feature, uh, maybe, maybe a year and a half uh, or so. And um, it gives you a lot of data, right? So it gives you the, the search volume trends. And, you know, when it comes to tools, I love going straight to Amazon because they're accurate, right? Um, not to say that, that other tools aren't, but they it's Amazon, right? So they're giving you the data. Um, you know, it shows you the year-over-year trends on, the, on the, the, the independent search words. It shows you the trends in the niche. And then it gives you a click share, you know, of all the top sellers in the niche. Uh, and so you can kind of get an idea of what the marketplace is um, and what you're going to need to start getting, taking advantage of the click share that's, a, that's there. Um, and so you can kind of backdoor into the opportunity that exists if you put some pressure on it through great optimization, pricing strategies, and, and advertising. So it's the product opportunity explorer. Correct. That's the Amazon offers. Yes. Uh, tell yes. us, tell us about that tool. So let let's understand because what I'm hearing is that's that's that plays a big role in some of your sure uh, steps that you take. So um, tell us about that tool. First of all, where where is it? How can people find it? Yeah, How it's under brand. It? Yeah, it's under brand analytics. Um, so it's one of the tools in the suite of tools with uh, that available to you as a registered brand. Um, and that, that, that part of Amazon's probably where they've spent the most time improving. There's a bunch of tools under there. Um, so that's where you find it. And then, so for example, you know, like most of the companies we work with, you know, are somewhat established brands, not all of them. We work with, you know, new, new to Amazon brands. Um, but if it's an existing brand and let's say the company that has a SKU that's already in the top five for their biggest keyword, right? So it's doing well, it's selling, but a lot of brands, like they want to get from doing a few million dollars a year to, you know, a few more million dollars a year, right? And so by going in there and looking at, 
you know, they're sitting already, let's say, in number three for a keyword. Well, you can now start looking at what that actually means in terms of click share, right? And then so you can start adding up what all the different SKUs on, you know, on that page are doing in terms, like they're all dividing the total search volume and click, you know, clickable search volume by whatever their little percentage is, right? So, you know, the, the larger the percentage of, that that brand has of click share, the, the harder it is to increase it, right? So, you know, if you only have a few points, then you can start analyzing, okay, what are these other guys doing that we're not? Is it a price issue? Is it a listing issue? Um, is it, uh, uh, is it a, you know, is it a content issue? Is it an image issue? Is it an advertising strategy? You can start to analyze what the click share is of the competitors and what they might be doing differently than you. Um, and it gives you an opportunity to see, you know, how much of a increase you could potentially go after based on who's gobbling up that click share on page one. I see. So this is, this is for a specific listing or just as a brand? What, you can do both. You can do both, right? So you can, the Opportunity Explorer gives you the category volume. And then if you click into it, you can get specific search term data. So it's, it's by, it's, it's, it's driven by the search term uh, inside the category. I see. So, um, and this is whether or not you have a listing in that category. When it does it for in. everything. It's, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, like one of the other features in the brand analytics is just a search term volume, right? Uh, search term data. And that's going to be all of Amazon, right? Yeah. So for 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 the listener's benefit, let, let's, uh, uh, because you know how it is with Amazon, you know, you have to read between the lines, right? So they don't tell you everything straight. They, you have right. to read the lines. So for the listener's benefit, what I'm uh, hearing is is this. As long as you have a registered brand Correct. and you open an Amazon seller account and then you get brand registry to take your brand, put it on brand registry and link it up to your seller account correctly. Because those things are all things that we take for granted, but a lot of people don't do it the right way, right? So they right. have a brand registry account under somebody else's email and, and then their seller account is on the primary user is somebody else and they're not connected. Right. So as long as you do it all properly, connect it all up, now all you have to do is go to brand brand's homepage and then right there, go to Product Opportunity Explorer. Amazon is basically telling you, you want to sell products under this brand? Here is data figure out what to sell, right? That's what they are saying. Yeah, to an extent, I think that this conversation is probably more more valuable to the already existing seller, but it's got a, it's got a lot of data for the new seller as well. It's what, it, what it's going to take to get into a marketplace. Um, with most of the brands that we manage, they're existing businesses, right? So, um, and it gives you the, the good or bad news, right? It also gives you the, the, the search volume trends year over year. So, for example... You know, we work with a large uh, eight-figure client and, you know, their their goals when we first started with them in September were to grow 20% this year, right? So that means we're trying to add, you know, multiple millions to the, to the top line at profit, right? 
with profit. So uh, going in and doing this research, we've, they, they sell in three different related categories. So one category, they're the dominant market leader. I mean, they had a, they had an 89% click share. Oh my God. I mean, amazing. Right. Um, and then the other two categories, there's a lot of room for growth, right? So we're able to look at this and, and then we're also to see in that category that they were the 89% click share. That category also was trending with a 30 plus percent year over year growth for the last like four years. So if we can maintain that click share dominance, right? And then the trend continues, we're going to kill it in the big category. But to try to go after a higher click share when they already, they already have 89% is insanely hard, right? Like it's it's trying to trying to fight off the little guys that are just kind of, the new guy comes in, then backs off, new guy comes in. But there was great opportunity in the two other categories. And so we ended up choosing to focus on a couple of things, but, but mainly on the category that they were lagging behind to really exercise that growth. For the big one, we just are on a course to to maintain market dominance, right? Um, and we're seeing the same kind of search volume trends continue this year. So we're, you know, it's it's trending well, and we're in like our fifth month for the for the, those guys. And you know, we're right now we're I think we're up fifteen points in the first couple months. Okay, so so product opportunity explorer is where you are seeing where there is growth opportunity and based on specific listings. So there's a bit of a, an oxymoron uh, because there are new sellers or there are established companies becoming new sellers. They already have products. So in order to have access to this, you have to be brand registered. In order Correct. to have, be brand registered, you have to have a trademark and you may not have products yet, but clearly if you have a brand, you will have products. Uh, so... You, you go do this. If you already have existing listings, then that's even better because now you are able to see exactly where you fit in. So that's how you identify where the brand fits. So now the next yeah. step is, is to, to set strategy about which what you're going to go after, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So now that you've decided what you're going after, the first thing is to increase click share. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, every product sits somewhere in its life cycle, right? And so, uh, you know, look, when we come in to work with a brand, um, we we identify a bunch of things right off the bat. So we're going to, we're going to do a deep assessment on their catalog, right? So, I mean, let's just pick a number. Let's say it's got 20 SKUs, right? We're going to identify where the money is coming from. So generally speaking, most catalogs, you know, 80% of the revenue comes from 20 to 25% of the, of the SKUs. Um, you know, sometimes you have a catalog that sells really well, really deep, but that's unusual. Um, and so uh, then we're going to take, we're going to divide that catalog into tiers. So tier one is where the money is coming from. Tier two is, you know, the next the next round and possible kind of sleeper opportunities right 
you know, sometimes there's a skew in a catalog that just because it hasn't got a lot of advertising or focus, but it could be really good. And those are those are great opportunities. And then we 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 assess it. So what do these listings need? Are they the best in class photos? Are they best in class content? Are they hitting on all the keywords? Uh, are they the best in class design? Do they have video? Like literally, we want to make sure that we're using every single tool that Amazon allows sellers to use to compete, right? Um, and then once we understand the marketplace, we're setting an advertising strategy focused around generally where the best sellers, where those where the money's coming from. So we're going to focus our, our actual ad spend on what's driving the revenue to maximize it. So one of the things that I always struggle with, this is assuming that the listings are not really generating high volume, but they are out there. They've been out there for a while and the mediocre, it's not doing much. The, the rank, the bestseller rank is high five digits. So, you get a client like that. You know, most people are like that <laughs> because they they launch and then the next thing is time goes by. So how do you handle listings like that? Uh, because yeah. it, there is the UP, you, you can't do a, a brand new launch because you need sure. a new UP and everything else. So uh, share with us some of the strategies that you apply. Yeah, I think like you're you're doing it in very much the same way, right? You're looking, you know, it's easy to kind of fall in love with a with a listing and a product, um, but if you're looking at it objectively, objectively, and say, okay, so my listing is is great, this is great, like you got to look at the actual offer, right, and compare it against the best sellers, and so. You know, sometimes, you know, seller, you know, brands will take an average product and put it in a great packaging and think it's now premium. And that's just not the case. Right. So uh, premium packaging can can get you a few extra bucks, but it's not going to it's not going to double the price of your product. Right. So you got to look at the offer. Do I belong? Like, why are some why is someone going to buy my product compared to the other ones that show? on page one for a keyword, right? So every keyword is going to have different search results, but, you know, 85% of the people searching for a keyword are never going to go past the bottom of the page one, right? So, you know, does my offer, here's my product and value proposition with the price I'm asking for it, does it belong on page one? And if you can't say yes, then you got to change your offer. You know, so, you know, um, and it can't just be you and like your, your, your mom or your girlfriend that says, yes, your offer should belong there. Right. It's got to actually be the market, right. Some stranger that doesn't know who you are and how much blood, sweat and tears you've put into bringing this product to fruition. Like th does the offer make sense on page one? How do you, how do you assess if an offer makes sense or not? Look at the value, right? People buy things for a variety of reasons, right? But but psychologically speaking, we buy things that elevate our status, right? So we are looking to gain something 
we're looking to solve some sort of problem. We're looking for to eliminate some sort of pain point in our life by buying that product. Um, and while eliminating that pain point, if it can elevate our status in life, right? Like it looks good. It makes us feel good. Um, then that's all the better. So, you know, if uh, you got to kind of look at the visual imagery, you know, how you're telling the story of how this product solves a problem. Um, and if it's, if it's kind of like the same as everybody else, then you kind of come down to a price conversation. If it's different for some reason, then what are those differences worth? So I did not hear you mention the price right off the bat. You're talking about differentiating yourself first by offering something better with better picture so that you, you're establishing yourself as a, a I don't want to use the word premium, but premiumish kind of uh, characteristics. Yeah. And, and then price obviously matters, but as long sure. as people's perception is, oh, this looks like a good product. It's going to, you know, uh, enhance my life. I can see myself using it. Uh, yeah. That yeah. Yeah. So exactly. And, 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 you know, you can't always drive a premium price on a product for sure. It really depends on the category, right? So you take a category like beauty. Well, there's a lot of reasons that people will pay more money for beauty products, right? Um, you know, people, there's arguably as many people concerned with what they put on their skin and the quality of that, you know, those things, um, as there are with people finding the cheapest thing I can to make my skin better, right? So, so it just depends on the category, right? Like, you might not be able to really drive the price home of a premium spatula, right? But I don't know. I've got a premium spatula in my kitchen because all the other ones melt or break, right? <laughs> I mean, so like I just got tired of buying crap and, and I'm happy to spend a little more money on something a little more expensive that'll last longer. So um, so you can do it in most categories, but some are going to lend themselves to, you know, a little bit. And you got to play what game you want to play, right? So um, do you want to sell all volume and work at a lower margin and just drive velocity, which is fine? Or do you want to sell a little bit less and work on a premium level? I think that the probably the most challenging one is the the middle price product. That I think like over and over, like I just did a um, analysis on a category for a client just like an hour ago, and the premium price. This is a big volume category, premium price category, like of this same search term, the premium SKUs, um, only had about 25% market share in terms of unit sales, but represented 45% of the sales volume. The, the, then there was the middle tier, which I'll leave for, for, the, for the final. The bottom tier represented a 74% market share in terms of unit sales, right? Uh, but only about a 60% volume market share, right? So it was really interesting. Um, uh, and the premium space by far makes the most profit in that particular category. So uh, in terms of unit sales, you're looking at number of units sold. And then sure. the by, by volume, you're talking about the sales, the dollar value. Yeah, unit sales, yeah. So a way yeah. you can kind of get an idea if the if a higher price 
has the demand is just see what's on page one, right? So if a, if a higher price SKU is holding its own on page one amongst a lot of other lower price SKUs, then there's, there's the market saying that enough people want something higher priced in that space. Right. And there's arguably going to be less people trying to sellers trying to compete at that level than on the bottom. How does the price compare to the total sales? Because the unit sales, if the unit sales are low, right, and the price is high, your total sales will be naturally higher. Yeah. This particular category had about uh nine million dollars in sales on page one a month, right? Big volume, right? Um, the low price uh, ones, so call it sub 20 bucks, represented about 4.6 million of that nine. The high price ones represented about 3.6 million of it. And then the middle ones only about a million, right? So it's interesting, right? That like somewhere like people either want the cheapest or the best. No one wants to be in the middle. So you don't price yourself, your, your product, you know, mid-tier. Yeah, so I mean, that's, I mean, I noticed, like, I have a small brand that I've kept active for years, and, you know, it turns over a decent amount of revenue, but I had a, I had a product that I would consider mid-tier priced, and I raised the price and sold more. So that's what I was going to ask next. So if you find yourself you are in the middle. What do you do? Do you drop or do you increase? You got to test both and you got to decide what business you want, right? So like, I'm not, I don't like sourcing. I just don't like it. Freaking hate it, right? So I'd rather sell less units at a premium price and make more profit per unit than I would <laughs> having to turn over inventory every month. Because yeah. I hate sourcing, right? I just hate it. Well, you know, it's easier well when you say sourcing of course it starts with sourcing you have to source more but now you have to warehouse more transport right. more account for more and more transactions right. i like i like the front side of the business of amazon way more than i like the back side of the business so yeah and but some people are opposite right they they love the logistics and and all the supply chain stuff. And I have friends that are just geniuses at it, right? And they love it. They're they're brilliant. So, yeah. but that's not me. And so you got to play to your strengths, you know? So really, we've been talking now about uh, 25, 26 minutes. So you laid out a strategy here that's very smart. So I want to just kind of summarize it for the listener's benefit. So first of all, go to your... Product Opportunity Explorer. Pick the category and then see where the opportunity is, where you can increase the click share. If you are already running high, then don't waste your time with it because the, the incremental increases will be much harder to gain than you know something that you get low click share. Once you take the low click share, then that's a good place to... Uh, spend some time and effort then you flip over and then you look at the market and you split the market into three tiers you know unit sales and total sales where you have low click share 
So now from there, what you are doing is you say, okay, where does my product fit in this landscape? And wherever you decide to be, and your choice would be my choice also, you know, work less and then get more, right? So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's high value effort, put it that way. So sure. um, then you, you, once you decide, okay, this is where I'm going to focus, then the next thing is decide how your, your product will fit into that particular tier with the competition. And then that's where you try to differentiate yourself with, you know, with what you are offering, with, yeah, with your content, uh, your uh, value, whether you are offering sure. bundles or anything like that. So that, is that kind of a, a good summary of what you were talking about? Yeah, I think that, I think you nailed it. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. Cause I, I listen, you know, <laughs> you know, one, one of my favorite sayings is, are you listening or are you waiting to talk? <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Ever since I heard that I'm always making sure that I'm not waiting to talk. So, okay. So now that we have the whole strategy, we know where we want to be and we know how we're going to increase our share. So tell us, the tactical aspect of it. So what are things? So you mentioned pictures. You mentioned. Yeah. So, I, I let's think... break this down, Keith. Let's break this down. First, let's talk about increasing the click-through rate. So because for click-through, you really have very few things. You have the main product image. You have your reviews, your price, and your title, right? That's pretty much all you, you have to work with. Well, yes. Back in the day, right? So... You know, Amazon's always testing crap, right? They're always testing something. So uh, one of the things that is showing up in the search results now that wasn't a few, even a few months ago is your video, right? So for some categories, if you're scrolling down the search results and there's a video on the listing, it's going to start playing when that listing, when the person's mouse gets to that listing, so as soon as you hover over it, your video, which is replacing your image seven, starts to autoplay and it's moving in the search results. It's fantastic, right? I'm not referring to the video ad. Nope, nope. So this is, uh, I saw it for the first time maybe three months ago. Uh, and so it's not across every category, but as you scroll down the page and as your mouse moves down, where it hits a certain point on the on your screen, the video on the listing starts takes the place of image number the the main hero image and starts to play. Really, I've never seen that. Yeah, it's pretty badass. Um, so, like, what a huge advantage to a listing that has a video. Like, I mean, it's it grabs people's attention like crazy. Multiple videos. Well, in your listing, you wouldn't. You'd only have the one on your uh, on image number seven. Or image number two, whatever, depending on your category. Yeah, one of what you can have multiple videos, but only one of them will show up in the right. Listing. The one, yeah. If you have to click into it and then get the other videos, it's just the first one. I see. Okay. Yeah. So your first video, I've never, I've never seen this. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I've only seen it in a handful of categories, but you know, me and uh, other you know colleagues have been talking about it for the last couple of months. But but to your point, though, there's only so many things that you can do to get a click, right? Um, price, title, 
hero image, reviews, and then any type of promotional, uh, anything promotional you have on a listing, like a limited time deal or a coupon. Yeah. Let's talk about the badges because they also help you get some clicks, sure. right? Yeah, so of course. Tell me about some of your favorite badges that you've seen. All the badges are my favorite. I mean, they're all they're all good. I mean, like, look, the easy ones that, you know, you can get without really doing anything like small business badge, you know, comes with you. Um, you know, if you're, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, they made a big push into this climate pledge friendly, you know, and you can get that badge in a lot of different ways. You know, some of it takes a lot of work, but some of it's just filling out the right forms in the back um these are related to like packaging ingredients you know size you know like um materials that you use this kind of thing and then some of it's related to like your supply chain and you know that kind of stuff but those show up those are cool because that's going to fit with a certain kind of buyer um the rest are all performance based right amazon's choice uh right. bestseller um uh new release right like those are the best new release bestseller and amazon's choice are kind of the three main ones yeah okay so how do you get as far as i want to also ask you something uh, on the rank ranking so you have to be on page one page one means 20 listings right so you have to be in that depends on the category um 24 i think is the minimum 16 is the minimum but it goes all the way up to 48 in some categories yeah so you have to be in that uh, batch is it better to be ranking right at the top or purposely in the middle is that a trick question I want to know what you what you what your thoughts yeah. are. Yeah. So ideas for either one, right? I yeah, I mean based on like the looking at who's got click share, the 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 the, the I mean the first the first page top row is a is a sponsored brand ad, right? Next row, the first usually the first four listings are all ads, right? So depending on the category those those ads could take up the entire top row of search results. Sometimes they take up, you know, four out of the five results, whatever. Yeah, like some of the beauty categories have 60 results on page one, right? Yeah. Um, but then the next row is basically the first row of organic search, right? Including whatever one slips in the row above. And those those positions get far and away the most click share. So like 70 like plus percent. Yeah. I mean, those top ones. So yeah. you know, also Amazon presents the results different. Some um, Generally you have a grid and right. the, 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 the first draw of the grid usually is the sponsor. And then the second row, sometimes they even split the second row half and half. So you have some yep. sponsor, but either way, your organic listings will start somewhere in this, let's say the second row and the third row, and then it goes down from that. So my question is, would you want to be in that second row, the first one of the yeah. first organic? You want to be above, above Amazon's crap, right? By that, I mean like the editorial reviews with recommendations, what I think are, I heard are going away, which would be good. Um, 
the high Amazon does like the highest rated products. Like it's got a, like a box for highest. You want to be yeah. above all that stuff. Right. And that's depending on the category and how the display is, that could be the top three listings, four listings, five listings, or six listings. Yeah. But you want to be yeah. above them. The reason I'm asking is because I've heard from a couple of people, at least that they say that these are like power sellers that, that want to do a lot. They say, we don't want to be at the top because we get targeted. We get targeted by people who copy. And then, and so it's a lot more visibility that way. Instead, be somewhere in the middle, definitely still okay. on, the, on the first page. But uh, you are better off being in the middle, selling less, but you can avoid all the trouble that you're going to get by getting targeted. That's why I was Maybe. Asking. Maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, it just depends. Again, I think it depends on what you're good at and what you're prepared to do, right? So if you're in the top couple of positions, you know, you got to play, you have to have a strong defensive game too. You know, you got to, you know, get hijackers off your listings, you know, uh, go after unauthorized resellers to the extent that you can. Um, so you've got other work to do for sure if you're in a top position, but Generally speaking, it, it pays for it. Yeah. So um, the other thing, I don't know what your experience is, but when I work with people, one of the things that I always notice is, because usually we're doing screen share, right? So I'm showing people, go here, go there. So when they land on a page, it's a habit. I don't know how this started, but it's like an epidemic. They immediately scroll down. Immediately scroll yeah. down. Okay. So, so, so I tell them, you know, we read from left to right, and then we start writing from the top, and then work our way down. Sure. So, have you read everything at the top, and then you just scrolling down? It's just a yeah. habit. It's so a, it's that. a, it's a habit from phones, right? you know we're like scrolling like forever on a phone and i think we've just gotten used to that like we're so used to social media and doing this all the time yeah or or the dating apps that that's yeah. left to right <laughs> so uh, what is your experience about i mean do you have anything i wonder if because those who had had the habit of scrolling down they're not going to see what's at the top. They're looking at the middle, right? That's true. And 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 look, I mean, the majority of search starts on a on a mobile device anyway, which which delivers one listing at a time, right? Uh, right. If you're on a phone, um, and like depending on the day, Amazon. You know, there was a time where Amazon didn't have pages on mobile. You could just scroll forever. I mean, yeah. that, you know, and they're always changing that stuff. I think. I think a lot of people scroll down just by nature, but then go back, right? You know, the reality is there's a there's a trust factor in those top positions that doesn't exist lower. Um, right. And uh, we're just used to it. I mean, even Google today, the stats haven't changed on Google search compared to 10 years ago. The top three listings still get 80 plus percent of the, the clicks. So if... If that habit and that result hasn't changed really in the last decade, it's going to be very similar on Amazon, right? And we can see it by click share. 
um, you know, those top few positions take up a lion's share of the clicks. So if people are scrolling down to check it out, I think they're window shopping and then they're going back to make their decisions. Yeah. Okay. So we've covered the click-through rate. So, I mean, ultimately what you're looking to do is just find a way to differentiate yourself. Sure. You know, review is a big deal. Badge, uh, badges. If you don't have it, get a small business badge. Yeah, you you have to uh, again for the listeners' benefit. That's a seller support thing, right? So you have to reach yeah. out, ask them to get it. So there's no like click here and then suddenly it's on. So right. they have to do that. Um, and then your main picture. And I have not heard about this video. I'm definitely going to be on the lookout. So that means for everybody listening, get a video and don't make this video. This is the biggest mistake. Don't make this video with your phone. Two and a half minutes long, right? <laughs> this has yeah. to be. So I, I tell people, look, imagine that you were given the opportunity to show your commercial during the Super Bowl. Do you like shoot it with your phone and then make it three minutes long? No, you get somebody to create it professionally, right? So that's right. what your video should be. It has to be. And of course, as soon as you do it, then Amazon has... The, the guidelines that you have to, you cannot even have spelling errors in the video if you have print. Right. So, uh, so videos, videos getting harder and harder to get approved, right? So, I mean, you can definitely get them, but they are, they are kicking videos out a lot more frequently than they used to, you know? So you can't I'll do a lot of the, go yeah, ahead. I'll share with you something that happened to me. So I have a client and they sell a kit. And the kit has 14 pieces in it. And uh, it's a floor kit. So what happens is they build this video and the video got rejected. And of course, they don't tell you exactly why. So they, they send you the link to go look at the guidelines. So they can't figure out why it's rejected. So I read the guidelines. So somewhere in the... And of course, the guidelines say that you cannot have typos uh, also you you don't want to have something in the bottom right corner and some uh, like a subtitle or anything like that you cannot have so i'm looking at it they have no subtitles no nothing and these videos are obvious they're not long so it's like 15 20 seconds long and i'm like watch it over and over and over and in the end i i noticed it there is a picture that flashes through and the picture has all the items in the kit. And then it says your 14 piece blah, blah kit. Well, they didn't put the hyphen. And it got rejected. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, that's so, nuts. Yeah, I mean, these are things that you have to do. Uh, it's, and I, and you know, what's amazing for me is it's AI. AI is picking up these things. Yeah. So, okay. So now we are on the product detail page. Okay. So let's talk about how to get the, the most out of the product detail page. Uh, lead people through an emotionally relevant and engaging story. Right. So I'm trying to put it all, there's lots of pieces of that, but you want to lead people through, you want to pull people in with the emotion of their pain. 
why they're buying, what their the product is solving for them. And, you know, unfortunately, like, you know, the two motivators moving away from pain, moving towards pleasure and we're messed up as human beings. So moving away from pain is more of a motivator, right? So, um, I mean, think about it, right? Like someone gets in a place where they're overweight, right? Like the, the desire to get fit is less of a motivator than like, than when they have a heart attack and then the doctor says, you need to lose weight or you're going to die. Right? Like it is, they, they, we know how to exercise. We all know how to exercise, right? It's not the knowledge we all, you know, we all know the benefits of it, but sometimes in life, it's not until we hit that pain point. So, you know, think of in terms of problem slash solution, and then encapsulate that problem slash solution with the pleasure points, right? And so, um, you know, you've got to do that in a visual story. Um, a great way to do that is, is start looking at the, the reviews of your competitors. Um, that's also in the brand analytics. You can start looking at all these different reviews. Um, and if you're across, um, you know, some of the AI tools like chat GPT, you can go to download all the negative reviews of your competitors, have chat GPT, sort them all out, uh, look for commonalities, you know, it'll, Hey, find every word in, in all these reviews that is mentioned over 25 times. Right. And it'll pull out all the data for you. Um, and if you can answer, if your product actually does solve those things and you can address those in your, in your, in your uh, visuals, that's great. Um, uh, so, but you gotta lead them through a visual story, um, focusing on the problem that it solves and moves moving through the pleasure points and addressing anything that's come up through your customer interactions. Right. And so, you know, if you're getting a lot of feedback on something specific, you should be addressing that in your listing. Right. Like, um, uh, and, uh, and then use all the tools, right. So you've got your seven images you know, so six plus video, you've got an A plus page. Um, a plus has changed a lot between when it rolled out as EBC content and now. And so if your A plus content is still from the modules that were available four years ago or five years ago, it looks really dated by today's standards. And so you should update that, right? Um, back then, the the modules were very chunky. And now they're much more fluid. They look great on mobile as well as on desktop. But that's what you do. And, and you've got you to gotta nail down who's buying your product and why. And then the why is the most important. So really understanding what those motivators are. Um, and sometimes you got to get in there and really get creative. Like if you've got a kitchen product, like you got to really get underneath it because sometimes it's hard to really create the emotion around a gadget, right? But that gadget's solving problems and people probably had a different version before they bought yours. Yeah. So there is something you said that's so key and a lot of sellers don't actually pay attention to it. Um, you have to look at the reviews and then address the problem if it becomes consistent. So in other words, this is your opportunity to see how the product is being received and, and the reviews that are three stars and down, those will tell you how to make improvements to your product. And when you make those improvements, you're going to have a better product. But what 
better way is there to actually make a better product than, you know, listen yeah. to the, a lot of uh, sellers don't like those, you know, but they don't like when they get these one star reviews or two star reviews, they don't do anything about it. And they just pissed off and then, or they get a service to remove or try to appeal. Uh, but as far as action, taking action to make the product better, that's not done. So I say that that is the most valuable aspect of the reviews. Yeah. Next, next getting you ranked better. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's a misconception, right? Like the, the customer is not always right, but you know, sometimes they're, they're given a, a review based on a misconception of the product. Right. And so you better address that, you know, right. quickly, you know, so that, and, you know, and unfortunately people don't read everything. Right. So you should address it visually as well as in content. Yeah. I mean, I had that situation. So what happened with an, another client? They sell a, a kit, a cooking kit. And this cooking kit is, is for kids. So the picture has a kid holding the cooking kit. So they got a one-star review saying that the box looked much bigger in the picture than the physical. So first of all, when you're holding a box, you know, you know, it's a picture. So it's closer to the to the yeah. lens. The box is going to, they don't think about it. So uh, true. And sometimes uh, like sometimes in, in images, like graphic designers are going to resize things based yeah. to try to make it look better in the image. But you got to be really careful that you're not overly misrepresenting something. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so what we did, we, took that picture and we put a pencil above the box so that they could compare the size of a pencil versus so something. It's just whatever it is that you can do so that they don't think about what this particular reviewer thought about is, uh, sure. is the thing. So um, let's talk a little bit about premium A+. Okay. So tell me, Tell me your experience because it's fairly new. Yeah. So yeah. how do you get it? How do you, what, what are some of your favorites? Yeah. So the, the way you get it is by being brand registered, having at least 15 SKUs and having submitted the non-premium A plus um, uploaded it within the last year, right? So if you have over 15 SKUs, and you want to be eligible for premium A plus, just grab all your A plus content, change something, and then resubmit it, right? Like change a couple of words. You don't need to change it. Every time you go to re-upload it, it goes back through the approval process. So you just need to upload it again. Um, so because it's relatively new and not a lot of sellers are across it, like we really don't have any you know, we don't have enough stats to to speak into it in terms of effectiveness. Like, you know, you got to get to a point of like statistical significance, right? Where you can compare it. And we're just not, as an agency, we're just not there yet. I mean, Amazon says it's going to raise your conversion rate by 25%, which yeah. I think is a big load of crap. But um, you can put a second video in Premium A+, which I think is probably the most beneficial part of it. Um uh, so there's other things like, you know, there's modules where you can like 
you know, they have a left and right scroll, which yeah. the reality carousel. is. Carousel. Carousel. Yeah, but, but you know, like people are not used to doing that on Amazon. And so it'll be a while before that actually has benefit because um, it's super cool. It looks awesome and you can get so much more and you can like kind of tell a story along a timeline, but people aren't used to clicking on A+. And so I would be very surprised if if anyone's if may or many people scroll. I'd say video is by far the best part. Um, to get a second video on a listing is huge. Yeah. What if you have less than 15 listings? Can't get it. You want to hear? Unless they changed it. No, no, they haven't changed it. So I, you want me to share with you something? Sure. <laughs> Well, I, I've covered this on a couple of previous episodes, so it's nothing new, but not, not everybody is listening to every episode. So the wording of the requirement is you need to have 15 A-plus content submission approved in the past 12 months. That's okay. the requirement. That does not say anywhere 15 listings. <laughs> <laughs> all right so you're just going to submit 15 new a pluses to a single SKU. that's interesting all right yeah uh, i have power to... i have tested this this client who had the, the floor kit okay they have one parent asin and it's the same same thing of course same a plus for all of them on the same page they submitted with some changes, legitimate changes, 15 different versions of it. And of course, uh, and, and, and the, the guy is a very smart uh, young man, is in charge of the operation. And he says, I scheduled on my calendar every three days, I submitted a new version, slight modifications. And then, of course, 15 times every three okay. days, that's time, right? So there you go. Of- within 12 months and then he applied to be accepted for premium a plus and he got it there you go all right i love it when i learn something when i'm the the, the not the host yeah, yeah. that's great that's so, awesome man that's good that's a good tip yeah yeah great so keith i mean you and i can talk about this all day long so uh but we're gonna run out of time so this was great business talk so let's now get into who you are. So tell sure. us, take us way back. Tell us, where did you grow up? Uh, well, I, I was born out north of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but I, I grew up um, uh, until I was 16 outside of Chicago. So you're a, you're a tough guy who likes to lean into the wind. Huh? I was in the, I was in the suburbs, man. So, you know, I was like 45 minutes outside the city. So uh, you didn't have much to do with what's going on today, but uh, it's still a windy place, right? Yeah, I mean, the the city is extremely windy. Um, You know, when weather comes off the lake, you know, the city's built around Lake Michigan, right? So, you know, the the wind comes off the lake and you could be walking down on a sidewalk on a street and it's not windy at all, perfectly calm. And then you hit an intersection and the gust just comes whipping yeah. through and, you know, almost knocks you over sometimes. So tell us, you know, growing up as a kid, uh, were you business 
mind it selling lemonades or what, what, what was that yeah i know that's the typical entrepreneur story but no i was just um i was very curious and uh easily bored and uh my sister would say fearless like um no joke i was i was in the emergency room or hospital over 20 times before i was five <laughs> Doing what? All the naughty things. Um, some some of those were like legitimate. Like I had whooping cough when I was a kid. Um, I, but the rest of them like were for me getting hurt. Right. Um, pre five years old, I was just a terror. And I didn't listen very well um, to anyone, um, especially authority. And so I just, I got hurt a lot, trying a lot of things, you know? Um, I remember arguing, I was like three and a half, right? We had this two-story house with a deck off the second story and then down about 12 steps and then into our big backyard. And then there was actually like a woods behind our house, no back neighbors. This was Pennsylvania. And my mom was like, put shoes on before you go outside. No, I don't want to, but you know, I'm just, you know, being a brat, right? run outside, run down the steps, literally, Nick, the very first step off the off the deck into the grass. I step on a thorn about that big, oh goes God. up into my foot, breaks off. Oh. ER, and I had to get the, get the thorn stuck out. I still have the scar. So I did dumb shit like that all the time. Um, and uh, all pre-five back when, you know, helicopter parenting wasn't a thing what is helicopter parent oh like the parents are around the kids all the time i mean we oh. just had a, we just had a group of friends that were all like three to seven and we just were outside all day every day well so how does that connect to your entrepreneurial affairs i don't know man maybe it takes me a while to get stuff um i mean i still think uh um, I still think I'm curious, uh, you know, about all kinds of different things in life. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I, I would hope that, uh, that reckless abandon has, you know, modified a bit to more strategic thinking and, um, um, but, you know, still relatively fearless in terms of, you know, I've started a bunch of businesses, um, you know, we charge that stuff. I'm not afraid to take on something new, you know, all the things that, you know, you kind of need to do as an entrepreneur. And, um, um, you know, I think the thing that I've, that I've had to work hard on is, is, you know, it's always my personality. It's more fun to start things than it is to finish things. And, you know, and, and a lot of entrepreneurs are like that, but, you know, you, you got to learn to, to continue to carry the baton because usually the, it doesn't get really good until you push through some of the middle. Yeah. How did your parents handle that, uh, you know, curiosity know. and then being fearless and getting in trouble? You know, laissez-faire, you know, hands off, you know, uh, you did know, my parents. You? Did they encourage you or try to change you or? I, I think, you know, my parents were, you know, my, my mother's passed away now for uh, almost 20 years, I think eight, 18 years. Um, but, you know, they would still be married if my mother didn't die. I mean, they were at, you know, they, they were married 30 odd years when she passed away. Um, and, uh, 
you know, very attentive parents, uh, supportive, but I, I just always remember like, if it was my idea and then I started up, they kind of get behind me, right? They didn't stand in the way of really anything. Um, you know, they try to talk me out of some things, but I was pretty stubborn and headstrong. Um, so, uh, but once I was into it, they kind of fell in and pushed the support behind it. Pretty much everything across the board. It really didn't matter how dumb it was. I just thought of a question. When you got in trouble, like, you know, got hurt, yeah, and, you know, did something and then and you got hurt. Did you get told off or did they try to help? Or what was what was their attitude? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the times, depending on the situation, right? Like, um, you know, I got spanked as a kid. Not a lot, but I did. Um, well, I, I think getting, getting spanked for doing things. I mean, like when you like this thing that you step on it uh, on it. Yeah. And then you know you you you're crying, right? You're hurting. So usually that's that's the moment where you know you are hurting. When that kind of situations happen, did did you get told off for doing it, or did they try? Yeah, to not that I recall. I th I think they were. My parents were always help the situation first, have the conversation about the lesson later. That's the reason why you are fearless. Because no matter how much trouble you got into, that you, you did not feel bad anything right. about doing that. You know, you, there was nothing bad yeah, because I see it sometimes. You know, some parents, not because, you know, they're bad. They just, you know, there is no real sure. parent school. So when suddenly, and also these things happen in the, the least expected moment, you know, you're busy sure. you're doing something and the kid does something and that, you know, how many times I told you not to do it, right. you're getting told off. So you never, if that's why I thought about this. And if you never got told off for getting in trouble at the time you were hurting, that made you feel, I mean, it would naturally yeah. make that makes a lot of sense. Now I'm looking at myself and my parenting with my son. I'm not sure if I did that kind of, that I did it the same way. So, um, but yeah, it's really interesting insight. Yeah, it's uh, I, I I I see it from time to time. So just came to my mind. So that connects you to today being fearless, starting businesses. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. Makes sense. The kid spills milk, right? And like, oh my God, I told you to not put it on the side of the yeah. table like that. You know, I mean, that kid's going to be clumsy. Yeah, exactly. Forever, you know, probably, you know. Great. Well, yeah. this is great, Keith. So I, I mean, I, I love the conversation. We can do it forever, but unfortunately, uh, our time is up. So tell us, how can people contact you? Give us your contact information. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, the company's website is the best. Uh, it's it's page dot one. So it's not page one dot com. It's page dot one. I think we come up number one for page one dot com too, but page one, page dot one. And then I do all my kind of business networking through LinkedIn. So that'd be the best place to get me personally. Okay. Thank you, Keith. This was great. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot. We laid it all out. And uh, so for anybody listening, go use it. And any questions, reach out to the man because he knows what he's talking about. Thank Thanks, you, Nick. kid. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. And this brings us to the end of another episode. And I'll see you on the next one.
If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the episode and share it with someone you think would benefit from it too. 